Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. Good evening, I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphomet. From the hinterlands of the Oregon coast to the mothership Alternative Talk, 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle, and streaming worldwide at nightdrift.com, thank you as always for listening. Tonight, we travel the astral plane and encounter many strange things along the way. Lindsay Sharman is an experiencer of other realms via astral travel, dreamwalking, visions, and interaction with other dimensional entities. A shaman, spiritual guide, and teacher for others, she will discuss how she performs cleansings, blessings, and spiritual reclamation. She'll discuss how her tarot journey included a severe entity attachment and her personal shamanic encounters of a profound nature, including synchro mystic travels through life leading to her purpose. And I wonder, do you have a shamanic story you want to share? You can email me at jim at youthmet.com and, of course, use hashtag nightdrift on Twitter. You can also now send me a voice message. Just go to sayhi.chat slash or find the link in the show notes. I'm Jim Perry. It's going to be a fascinating night. Get ready. Get set. Close your eyes. Let's dip into a different place. Let's drift into an astral realm. This is Night Drift. We'll be right back after this. Follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.
listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. I'm Jim Perry. Welcome back to Night Drift. By the time this edition is on the Euphemet feed, I'll actually be in Chicago on Wednesday, August 24th at Music Box Theater after special screening of Rodney Asher's documentary, The Nightmare. I'll be interviewing filmmaker Daniel Noah of Spectre Vision live on stage about his relationship with the paranormal, and I want to meet you. Find a link to tickets in the show notes. A group of listeners have already got their tickets. That's August 24th in Chicago at Music Box Theater. I want to see you there. Show me the spooky side of the second city, please. But for tonight, Lindsay Sharman is a shamanic healer and teacher who recovered from severe childhood trauma in order to bring transformative teaching and healing, first to students in public schools, and now to students of all ages and to the fans of her shows, Rogue Ways and Middle Path. Lindsay offers spiritual services, healings, blessings, courses, and organ and crystal jewelry to empower people to uplift and heal themselves. She is an author of six books and counting, a master and board certified teacher, a show host, a spiritual guide, and an experiencer of other realms and states of consciousness who aims to continue to uplift all of herself in order to uplift all of the world. Lindsay, welcome to Night Drift. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to talk with you. I'm sure we are not going to uncover even, a, you know, a, a minute uh, quotient of all of your experience. And I mean, those bios are super impressive. I guess first, let's just jump into the deep end and then find our way through it a little bit, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. Okay, great. I think, firstly, set the table. Can you describe astral travel? Yeah, I really, for me, it was accidental at first. Uh, and it might be for a lot of people out there listening too. And they might not even like me have known that that's what they were doing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I really literally fell into it. I, um, you know, thought I woke up, I sat up, I stood up and I looked down and saw that I was still sleeping in my bed. And oh, I thought, God. well, if that's me, then what am I? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes. And that, that alone was quite, uh, you know, just mind altering and just crazy. I, I was young. I think I might've been somewhere around 14 and I looked down at what I thought should have been my body. And I just saw a colored string of balls of light. Uh, and, and at this time I had not encountered the concept of chakras. I didn't know anything about them. Uh, but when I looked down, that's actually what I saw. And it was years later, oh my I saw a, a painting on someone's wall and it was of these colored balls of light going through the, the body. And I said, what is that? And they said, what do you mean? It's a painting. And I'm like, yeah, but what are these balls of light? <laughs> I've seen these before. Uh, and they said, well, th those are our chakras. And I was like, what are chakras? <laughs> you wow. know, they taught me and I thought, well, that's so amazing. Cause I know those are real because I saw them in me. I, I saw that I actually was that, that is more me than my physical body is, oh my me. Gosh. you know, when I was just young and, and accidentally astral traveled and the funny conclusion to that short astral travel that I accidentally stepped into was that I, I thought, well, how do I move? And I, I tried to like walk, I tried to lift up legs and, and move a body and I didn't have a body to move. So I just ended up spinning around in circles really quickly, which was very disorienting and hmm. woke me up. <laughs> wow. How interesting. I mean, you know, it, it's fascinating to me how many people report of things like lucid dreams or things that could be associated with potential astral travel. But, you know, in particular, lucid dreams, right? Would you qualify those as maybe astral traveling as, as being, a, a, you know, outside of oneself? I do. You know, I, I look at every dream as somewhere on the spectrum from full lucidity in, in the astral, what we call astral traveling sort of state, sort of partial lucidity where you've got some control and you're aware that you're dreaming, but it's not quite as uh, distinct. And, and you know, I, I liked this phrase. I heard at some point, realer than real. It's realer yeah. than real, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there it and is. you're not quite in that state, but you are lucid in a way that 
that we would call lucidity in the dream. Uh, and then other dreams where you're, you're kind of aware something weird is happening, but I'm not sure what, but I'm, you know, I can still like have some agency here. And then even the dreams that we feel like are just happening to us. And we just wake up and recall them and they're so strange. And, you know, those even are happening somewhere. Our, our, our consciousness is traveling somewhere and experiencing real things. And sometimes they're aspects of our own psyche. And sometimes they're actual places and actual other beings and, and people that we can go interact with. And all wow. of this is on the sort of same spectrum for me. It's just, you know, where are you at on the spectrum when you're dreaming? And all, all of us are actually doing that. And so, you know, even when I talk about dream walking, that that's all the same spectrum as well. Um, so we have all of these words from all of these different traditions to classify and discern between the different levels of that spectrum, but it really is all the same thing when it comes down to it. And so everybody is, is, you know, part of the dream world when they're dreaming mm. they're, everybody's consciousness is going somewhere. Wow. Do you believe that everyone can potentially astral travel or that potentially even everyone is doing it and they don't know what that, what it is? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I, I know everyone can. And I, I also know that everyone dreams. I, I think we've proven this, you know, in the laboratory, people have had their, you know, brainwaves yeah. being read while they're sleeping and they say, I don't dream. I don't, but what they really mean is I don't have a very good capacity for recall of my dreams. Right. And, mm -hmm. and during that time you are astral traveling, maybe you don't have a great recall of it. Maybe you don't have a great amount of, um, that sort of waking lucidity level or that, you know, control over that dream state that you thought you should have, if, if you're actually doing it quote unquote, right. But, mm -hmm. but you are doing it and, and everyone is. And so, you know, and dreams can just be this amazing tool for us to do all kinds of work on ourselves to heal a lot, to get messages that we thought we weren't capable of, you know, knowing or, or whatnot, contact with other sorts of beings or entities. If we choose to, there's just all kinds of things we can do in that space. Well, dream research is fascinating and there's so much documentation out there. There's been so many experiments. I feel like it's one of the most, um, I don't, uh, one of the most investigated and or reported facets of what someone may claim is within the realm of the paranormal. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, who hasn't, I think it's very rare that there's someone who hasn't had a dream that at least had some level of precognition, yeah. I mean, you know, not mm. everyone can remember it on. So maybe that's, that it's harder for them to say, but for people who remember their dreams uh, and have done so for most of their lives, you can think of a dream or two or many that seemed to, or very clearly did predict the future. And that's paranormal, right? That's, that's supposedly unexplainable. Uh, and we, and we all have many of us, I should say, have that experience and, and so many things that we call paranormal you, when you dig in, you find that so many people have had very strange experiences. Yeah. Uh, this episode, it can potentially get so personal so quick. And I'm assuming that is probably, I'm, I'm not too dissimilar from a lot of folks when they start talking about this topic. Uh, I want to cover that in one second, but first let's circle back you know, what do you believe based on, based on your experience, uh, based on your study, based on your practicing, what do you believe is happening when precognition occurs within dreamwalking or the astral plane? Well, it's similar, you know, when I'm doing shamanic work with people as well, there's a lot of, um, you know, as doctor who would say timey wimey stuff going on mm. there's, you know, the time is really isn't linear and it's only linear for us. And when we're not in our bodies and experiencing linear time, it's not linear for us then. So it's even only <laughs> part of our life that it's linear for us. Right. Um, you know, we could travel great distances and no time at all. So what is time then? And, and in a way, then we're even time traveling in our consciousness, at least. And mm. if we are, you know, that string of balls of light that I saw those chakras more than we are our bodies, then really we are trans-dimensional sort of beings. Uh, and so I think, you know, we are, have the ability to see what is the most likely occurrence given what is happening right now. I really don't have any evidence to say that the future is 
written in stone that it absolutely has to go this way. But I have a lot of experiences and a lot of information that would seem to indicate that there's a lot of things that are very, very likely to happen. They're very, you know, highest probability is X uh, and that's Mm. going to most likely happen in this way. And that we can pick up on that, especially if the event carries a deep magnitude of emotional or psychic sort of energy. So for Mm. example, um, you know, the, the horror of nine 11, there is a huge, huge uptick, uh, in dreams and people saying that they just knew they have even records of the dreams that they wrote down in the weeks preceding of that exact event, or even of symbolic representation of it. For example, one of the dreams was actually from my sister. And she told me this dream three or four days before this event happened. And she said, it was so weird. I had this dream. I was in a cabin in the woods, a wood, a log cabin, and these men were trying to get in and I had to try to keep them out. And they, and they were trying to get in with, um, box cutters. Hmm. And wow. later after this happened, oh, I know I'm getting chills even thinking about it. We, we both looked back and said, cabin, men, box cutters. I mean, that was a precognitive dream. And her, her psyche was trying to tell her, look, this is very likely going to happen soon. And that was the way she interpreted it. You know, cabin wasn't the airplane wow. cabin, but it was a cabin. So we, we feel it, you know, that was a huge worldwide emotional experience. And so it's one of the most uh, recorded precognitive uh, dreaming, you know, events that, that we have an example of. There's a ton of consciousness studies out there. Uh, there was there was a whole group that were using these random number generators, these eggs uh, to, to, you know, potentially track the level of, of mass consciousness, consciousness being affected at certain times based off of randomness. That event uh, completely escalated all of their numbers, uh, 9-11. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that's fascinating to me and, and a little perplexing is what about the mundane precognitive events? What, what does that mean? You know, uh, for, for those of us who visit a place, for example, for the first time, and listeners will know of a, of a story I've recounted of, you know, experiencing a, a very p- specific uh, beanery in Portland, Maine that I'd never seen before in my life, but I had a very rich, almost lucid dream experience there, which it's, you know, authenticity was verified within, you know, very specific things that happened with the dream that were there uh, existing with the building. But it was really mundane in the sense that why would, why would that matter? Uh, so in those instances where people just have these, these events where they go, well, well, why would I have such detailed memories of something like this? Uh, when there was no stakes involved, when there was no dramatic effect, what do you think is going on in those events? That's a great question. I, there's a couple different things that could be happening. And, um, but most of the time, what that is, is for me, at least in my experience and, and the people I've worked with is it's you showing yourself that there's more going on in life in general than what you may have expected or thought previously. Uh, And it's, and it's inviting you there, therefore to sort of look deeper and look beyond what we think is possible or acceptable or proven, you know, and logical Mm. and all of that. And so, you know, you're, you set it up for yourself that way. Like, look, yeah, you, you weren't meant to change any outcomes or warn anybody about anything, but you were meant to really deeply understand. I absolutely knew this was going to happen exactly like this, you know, and, and, and how did I do that and why? And you have to start then admitting things to yourself, like what we've been talking about that, you are a being of consciousness or what we might call soul primarily more than you are a being of physical, you know, mass and your body is not really you. It's, it's a great body. It's, we love our bodies, but that's not really what we are. Hmm. Uh, And then you might also have to admit time is a little weird, might not be linear. (laughs) And then, so what can we do with that? Uh, And it might just be inviting you, you know, a little bit deeper into your own consciousness, into your deeper presence here in this plane. And, and it might also set you on a path where you start looking at things just differently. And that could change, honestly, your whole life path, just a simple thing like that, just, you know, waking up a little bit more to the reality of what you are. You sound exactly like my best friend, Tim Rothschild. 
who is a uh, Kabbalistic uh, non-dual shamanic healer, uh, in which when I reported that story to him, he said that, well, maybe there is no like reason it happened, except that it happened. And I was like, tell me the reason. <laughs> we must have a reason. Yes. yes. Uh, so, you know, do, do you believe in, so at that time when I experienced that event, I'll, I'll frame it through my lens here for a second. At that time I was doing, I was on the road with um, my friend Carl Pfeiffer. We were producing the second season of my documentary series, Euphemat. And so I was spending, you know, very quality, intense time with other experiences of paranormal phenomenon or practitioners, uh, which is ghost investigators, etc., and going to very sort of paranormally rich locations. I guess from the shamanic perspective, is is there like sort of the ability, uh, once being adjacent to mysterious things at a very high intimate level, that that brings us closer to potentially experiencing those mysteries ourselves. Absolutely. There's a very common mm. saying that says, once you look into the abyss, the abyss looks back. Yes. <laughs> and yes. that's a bit more nefarious sounding than I would like it to be. But the truth, <laughs> the truth is when you, when you go looking at any of these things, your, your consciousness sees the opportunity of like, Oh, okay, well, here's a chance to wake up even more deeply in this reality, in this, in this timeline, in this body, in this life. So, you know, if we arrange it like this and then, you know, Jim's going to have this experience of himself and, and wow, look, look how much deeper he can go now. Look how much more his consciousness has expanded. Look at how much more he can accept about, you know, the true reality kind of beyond this, uh, very illusion-based, you know, physical reality that we find ourselves in, in in waking linear time. So I do. I think I think looking at it, uh, dabbling in things, and it it opens up more and more. And and some people find that to be very good and pleasant, and some people find it terrifying and and never want to go back, never want to look again. <laughs> you know, uh, and you're allowed. I like to say to people, you're you're allowed you're allowed to open the door and you're allowed to shut the door, and, and both choices are fine. And you know, there's no permanent uh, decision in that way. You can always go back to sleep. You can always wake up more. Oh my God, that's so profound. What you're saying there. You know, there is a there is a quotient of play here, I think. And, you know, there's so many of our, you know, kind of hangups and uh, our misconceptions about what all of this is that I think is rooted in dogma and ideology. And of course, you know, I, you know, potentially there are some, you know, cliffs to avoid here, right? Yes. There, there are possibly, you know, there are forces potentially at work that could be you know, uh, maybe dangerous to ourselves, even even if it means our mental health and we're not grounded enough. All's to say, I think that is like a very brilliant message to get out there that uh, you do have agency within yes. this. You're, you, you know, you're, you're not just at a whim. All right, so we have to take a short break here on Night Drift. I'm Jim Perry. We'll be right back with more on Night Drift right after this. out through time and email the show at jim at euphomet.com e-u-p-h-o-m-e-t dot com
You're listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. I'm Jim Perry. This is Night Drift. We're back here with shamanic healer Lindsay Sharman. You can find her work at rogueways.org. Lindsay, welcome back to Night Drift. Thank you, Jim. It's been so much fun already. Uh, it's it's amazing. I could talk to you forever, and I hope you come back on the show after this one as well. Anytime. Um, listen, maybe can you describe to us what it is to live a synchro mystic life? Absolutely. I love it. I think I borrowed this phrase synchro mystic from my uh, friend. Um, and he, you know, gave this to me as his, he was describing his own travels. And, and I was thinking, well, that's exactly how I live my life. <laughs> um, you know, when people ask me like, how have you experienced all of these different paranormal things? Like some people have some of these things, but you have all of these experiences. And I, mm like to say, and, and people who, who listen to me or work with me, hear me say a lot. I, I honestly, at some point realize that I should follow where I'm led and do what I'm told. And everything goes a lot easier when I do that. And, and, you know, that part of what I know, uh, how I know where I'm being led or what to do next, or what I'm being told is through these really profound synchronicities. Uh, mm. and they're, they're beyond the sort of, I mean, I also have the sort of everyday synchronicities where you're thinking of somebody and they call or, you know, you see 111 six times in a day and you're like, okay, I get it. Like 111. <laughs> okay. You know, the angel right. numbers and those things are also really good clues that we're on the right track, that we're kind of getting a wink from our, our higher self or, or God, or whatever you want to describe as, as the loving source in the universe. You know, those things are all fantastic, but, uh, sometimes a lot of times I'll say for me, it's a lot deeper than that and more complex than that even. And, um, you know, I have a couple examples. I can share one if you like. Yeah, please. So I had this time I went to Ecuador and I was traveling around and I really wanted to go to the equator, uh, and the equator, you know, where the sort of conquerors put it is not actually where the equator is, uh, mm. where the natives actually had it, where the conquerors told them they were so stupid and didn't understand. And they calculated it differently and put it, you know, four miles away or something, but where the natives actually had had their secret sites honoring the, the middle of the earth. That is actually where we found out many, many, many years later with satellite technology and measuring and all this advanced capabilities, they were actually right all along. So oh, wow. I really wanted to go to the sacred sites on the equator, the real equator, not the uh, fancy sort of Disney-ified version they've got <laughs> where the conquerors put it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this was sort of my reason and my one of my dreams of going to Ecuador. I really wanted to do this. Um, I happened to... Uh, the day before I went to the equator, get plucked off the street by, uh, you know, their version of a shaman, they call it a Taita, uh, mm -hmm. which means a, the father or a leader. And he plucked me off the street and he said, you need to come up to my office. And of course I'm thinking, well, this guy, this is just a scam. He does this to everybody. And uh, the people I was with have lived in this city for years and they, they knew this man and they were like, oh no, he doesn't do this. And I was like, mm. oh, I mean, that's okay. I guess I have to go talk to him then. So you know, uh, I had somewhat of a shamanic path already, but, you know, so I, I went and I talked to this man and actually had to have a translator for it. And he ended up performing that ceremony and a healing and that's its whole own story. And at the end he wow. said, yeah. And at the end he said, well, what are you, what are you going to do now? And I told him, well, I'm going to go to the equator, the real equator, you know, your, your ancestors equator tomorrow. And he laughed so hard. And I thought, why is he mocking me? Like, why is he making fun of me? Uh, and my translator asked him, like, why are you laughing? And he said, you still think you get to decide. And I, I thought, huh, what is that? That doesn't sound very friendly. Like, what does that even mean? And wow, I was kind of right. confused. And he kind of dismissed me then like, okay, go on your little journey. Go, go do whatever you're doing and goodbye. <laughs> so I left after this really profound healing and this, but that was ringing in my head. Like, what did he mean? I still think I get to choose. I mean, I'm going to the equator tomorrow. So, you know, whatever I, I get up the next day, I get on this bus, we go up to the equator. It's a very strange journey in many ways on its own, but we get there, uh, you know, we get on this cab we're talking to the cabbie he's like oh i know exactly what you mean i'll take you there he takes us to this place he's like oh, i gotta go i'll see you guys later and he takes off and we're just in this 
middle of nowhere. There's, there's a structure there, but there's not really anything. And we realize after about an hour of wandering around, trying to figure out what's going on, that he just dropped us in some random ruins, that it's not the equator <laughs> and that the equator, <laughs> that we could see it actually across this huge valley. And it was, it was miles away and it was getting late in the day. And if we didn't get another cab back to town and get on the bus back to where we were staying, we weren't going to get back at all. Oh, wow. But I was so sad. I was so sad. I went all the way to Ecuador to see this equator and the way we, our plans had been laid, like we had to leave the next day or you know, whatever it was. And so I was so depressed and we got back on the bus and I was so sad. And then I realized we had gotten on the wrong bus back and then we were on the wrong bus. And then I realized we don't even know where we are in the city. And it's, this is a nightmare. It's starting to get dark out. And oh and my those gosh. situations, like <laughs> it can become like, it feels dangerous. You're like, I'm lost. What are we doing yes. here? Yeah, exactly. And then luckily I looked out the window at this right moment and I saw this steeple that I had recognized because this church we had visited on a tour and I had loved it. So I said, oh, stop the bus. We have to get off. We can make it to that steeple. And then I know exactly how to get back from there. So we got off. We're getting off. We get to the steeple. Okay. Now I know we're going this other direction. And then we finally are on this main road where our hostel is just, a, you know, half a mile away, maybe a couple blocks away. And then I realized there's a huge, weird sound. There's something going on. The streets aren't filled with cars. I look up in the sky and there's black helicopters everywhere. And I just hear this strange noise. And I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> it's starting to get dark. And then across, like up over the sort of um, hill in the road of this massive, I mean, eight, 10 lane, I don't know, freeway comes this mass of people all dressed in rainbow and colors with flags. And I realized there's this parade happening. <laughs> there's this parade of people. They're all natives. They're marching for native rights. There's all these uh, helicopters in the sky. And then I remember at that moment, this dream I had had about a year prayer. And in this dream, I had been on a bus. I was very sad and distressed on the bus. I got scared. I jumped off the bus and I ran into a mass of rainbow colored people. And that after I ran into the mass of rainbow colored people, I ran down the road and I turned left and I looked up and I saw a church that was white and had a little fountain. And I went and sat at the fountain and felt at peace. So I'm sitting here watching this mass of people come remembering this dream. And I'm like, oh there's going to be a church up here on the left. I know it. And I started running. <laughs> and the person I was with was just like, what is she doing? She went insane, following me <laughs> down this road past this huge parade. I turn left. I see the church. It's standing there. It's this exact same church from my dream. Oh there's my a little God. white pond. I just sit down on the pond and I hear him saying again in my head, you still think you get to choose. <laughs> wow. Oh, and it was so, it was very deep lesson for me that, you know, <laughs> I can make all the plans I want, but if I wasn't guided to do them, if I didn't do them from my sort of soul or my highest consciousness, they may or may not happen. Um, but for sure, my soul already knows. And so the closer I can be in attunement with that soul, with that higher sort of guidance, the more my life is going to work out just perfectly. And it, it's just one more proof. You know, you may have said the same thing, like, well, why that dream? I, it didn't change anything. You know, I couldn't have changed it if I tried. But in fact, that was the whole message uh, is that yeah. I, I was predestined in a way to be at that place in that moment. I wouldn't have been there if we had gotten the right bus, wouldn't have been there if we went to the actual equator, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I really, I didn't get to choose, but there is something um, beautiful in that too. I can be sad that I didn't go to the real equator, or I can just be so grateful that the universe is so vast and that I have such deep guidance and that I have a connection to this higher place of, of knowledge and wisdom and that I am guided, in fact, uh, especially if I choose to be and I choose to listen. Well, that's amazing. And I think you've laid out sort of the roadmap for how someone like yourself, um, you know, your ability to potentially teach that to others and to practice that, right? You're, you're, you're looking for what that guide is telling you, right, to, to live a better life. Absolutely. And, and they don't, the more I'm aware that that guidance exists, the more that I'm in, you know, a place of trust and faith that I can receive it and connect with it. 
um, then the more clearly and frequently it comes through. Um, you know, sometimes I joke, like, I feel like I even ask my guides, like, okay, I mean, should I buy bananas today? Or, <laughs> you know, as simple <laughs> and mundane as things like that. And, you know, I don't actually, but it's, it feels like that sometimes that I, I just check in first. I just ask to, to receive, you know, a, a message or a was, you know, some wisdom or the sign, so to speak, that I should or shouldn't do a thing or, or how I should go or where I should go. And, it never fails me now. And, you know, it, it wasn't instantaneous. Like I said, it was, it's like a relationship. I had to develop my own trust in it and mm -hmm. I had to develop my own ability to sort of interpret and, and, but I think anyone can do that. And, you know, it starts with us just even wondering, like, I don't know, do I have a guide and, and could I receive a message from a guide? And do I want to ask for that type of guidance? And, you know, we can go from there. Yeah, oh, fascinating. What do you what do you think of what role does fate play in all of this? I really I don't know sometimes what people necessarily mean by fate, and and I sort of think of okay, so then the idea of predetermination, right? Like this is uh, absolutely you're destined to be like right here at this time, no matter what, um, and and it feels very mechanistic when we think mm -hmm. of things that way we're like well if i have no real choice and i'm fated or predestined to do this exact thing at this exact time then i don't have to try i don't have yeah. to do anything <laughs> right. you know and that's really not true so i i sort of see and i've been shown you know by some of my guides and some of my visions this um almost like a dna you know that double helical sort of structure where uh, there's these points where the lines converge, let's say, and and at those points, it's like you, yep, you're going to be on this street with this, you know, crowd of of indigenous people, and then you're going to find this church. Like that is absolutely going to happen, no matter what you choose, <laughs> right? But but perhaps like what I ate that day, or you know how I chose to feel about something, or what I chose to say to somebody, maybe those things were all on various different lines, right? But all the lines converge at that church. Um, so there's all these things we do have sort of plasticity around and, and they can change and shift. And there's other things that, you know, really feel like, nope, that was going to happen no matter what. Um, so, it, and in that, it makes sense to me that there are some of these things that are predestined and fixed and, and that we don't necessarily have a choice about, but even those I've come to understand, we did have a choice. It just wasn't necessarily in our waking consciousness. It was at a different level of being wow. that we chose those things. Yeah. Wow. Or potentially even a different time, right? There's this yes. shamanic idea of like sort of a cupness of time, right? And that uh, things we're doing now can potentially affect us in the past in some level, right? Do you subscribe to something like that as well? Absolutely. I, I teach it. I use that in my healing with other people and to help them unlock deep, deeper levels of their own healing. Um, it really does feel like and look like time travel. And um, I've had I've had occurrences that I couldn't explain uh, very easily, even if I tried that that sort of proved to me that something in the past happened because of something happening in the present moment. Mm. Which, it doesn't make sense to us, but that's how it had, had to be. It does, there's no other way it makes sense. <laughs> so, is that sometimes where precognition can come from as well? Is that you're actually, you know, be, like sort of like an echo chamber? You've you've sent that message in a bottle back to yourself in the past at that time, and you've just picked up on it some somehow through dream state. Absolutely, I, I think that's exactly it, and and that has to do again with what we were talking about with that sort of the magnitude of the emotion of it or the magnitude of that transformative energy around it uh, is part of what kind of can send it in different directions in time. Because um, we've also experienced the other side of that, right? Where we experience something and then it kind of echoes, you know, the next few weeks, the next month or like a year later, yeah. uh, we're still sort of experiencing it. And, um, you know, I just, we, we, our consciousness goes in all directions. Uh, and, and like you said, it's the, it's not just that the consciousness goes in all directions, but the actual effects of it go in all directions. So you, you can go affect the past and, and it's real. Interesting. Um, is that something that you teach, uh, folks how to do? 
I do in uh, very simple ways teach that. And, uh, you know, the, the sort of way in which I do it, I can teach eventually. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I do have some pretty sort of, I would say, quick and easy as, as long as people are, you know, somewhat aware, somewhat present, maybe have some meditation practice and, and awareness of themselves as a spiritual being, it would be pretty easy for them. Oh, how fascinating. Um, okay, we only have a few minutes left in the broadcast there. I was being careful because I'm fascinated by what we were talking about, and I just threw the questions out the window uh, when we started <laughs> talking. Um, there's obviously a lot of deep rabbit holes that we could get into surrounding your personal experiences and you know what you practice and what you teach. And so Again, I hope you come back on and so we can uh, further chat about some of those things or potentially like maybe a euphemist feature. Like I would love to do a feature on you. You're so fascinating. But I think in, in closing, you know, since we're talking about astral travel and, and that realm, are there any sort of simple tips that you could give people if they wanted to introduce themselves to that uh, practice potentially? Uh, to to be an arbiter of what their experience may be, is there anything that you could recommend that maybe our listeners could just maybe try out a little bit? Absolutely, I'm so glad you asked. This is one of my favorite things for people to try because it works almost a hundred percent of the time. Oh my gosh! Okay. Um, especially if it's a first, a sort of first time thing. We, there's this sort of rule in spiritual work and in the universe. It seems like where the first time you try something, there the universe is going to reward you for for trying. So, you know, you've got <laughs> beginner's luck here. Um, and after that, it might be, you know, a little bit harder, but it still can, can work forever. Uh, you just may have to put a little bit more intention into it, but it's really That's like easy. a carny trick is what that yeah. is. They yeah. give you like a little taste, you know, and then there you go. <laughs> the universe knows how we work. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this is very simple. So uh, what you want to do is throughout your waking day as often as possible and as seriously as possible with as much sort of presence and intention in the question as possible, you just want to ask yourself, am I dreaming? And, and you don't want to just do it as sort of a rote, like, yep, checked off the 10 o'clock check-in. You want to actually sit and go, am I dreaming? Like with real curiosity, am I actually dreaming right now? Okay. No, I'm not. I'm awake. I'm on a radio show. This is real life. Uh, and then you want to do it again, you know, maybe in an hour, maybe every hour, maybe you even have um, an alarm, although I'd, I'd, I'd hesitate to use that because your alarm isn't going to necessarily go off in a dream. Uh, so you don't want to rely maybe too heavily on that. But if you need to, if you can't remember easily, go ahead and use one. Uh, but the goal is you do this throughout the day so frequently that you're in such a habit that when you do go to sleep at night, you will ask yourself in the middle of a dream, am I dreaming? And you will say to yourself, yes, I am. <laughs> and then you will be lucid. And what generally happens the first time, uh, if you've never been lucid in a dream, is that is so exciting and or terrifying that you instantly wake up. So what you might also want to do is uh, practice maybe the day before you start asking, am I dreaming? Start thinking when I am lucid in a dream, I know it's going to be exciting and it might even be a little scary. And I'm just going to do the equivalent of breathing, but in the dream, right? Do the equivalent mm. of just taking a moment and pausing and just noticing that I'm completely safe and fine. And I'm just going to remind myself of that. And that's my deep intention is that I do that so that when you then practice, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? And you do eventually answer, yes, I am, you know, okay, it's okay to be calm now. It's okay to just be present in this. It's okay to just sit with it. I don't have to do anything right away. I can just be here. And the other thing you can do is have that intention to be sort of calm and present, but also choose what it is you might want to do. Maybe you want to go to a pyramid. Maybe you want to fly. Maybe you want to do, who knows? It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe have that too, because Sometimes people get there and they went, oh, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. So I just kind of sat there until it went away, <laughs> uh, which is fine too. You still had the experience, right? Um, but it might be fun. It might be more fun if you have a plan. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I think that's a great tip. And I think if you're listening to this right now and you experiment with it, share your results. 
share it with me, Jim at euphemat.com or just on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And I'll make sure to share those results with Lindsay as well. And uh, yeah, let me know if you have anyone that listens to the show, Lindsay, and they encounter anything. I'll, I'll be super interested. We'll do a little uh, experiment here with the listener base. Oh, I'll love that. That'll be great. Lindsay, can you remind everyone where they can find your work? Absolutely. The best place to go is rogueways.org. And it's not Rogue Waves, which is definitely uh, an inspiration for the show name, but Rogue Ways as in Pathways. <laughs> yeah. And rogueways.org is the hub for everything. You can grab the links to the podcast, to the various places I stream video for the shows that I do. You can get a link to my services that I provide. I do one-on-one -on -one work with people. I do guidance sessions where we can talk to your guides and allies and get messages through. And sometimes past life stuff comes up, some healings come through, all kinds of shamanic work can come through just in a guidance session. I also do a deeper level, uh, which is a ceremony that I provide for people, especially if you're feeling very uh, sort of oppressed um, by anything negative or just some, some darker energy than the healing ceremony might be good for people. I do tarot readings. I do coaching and talk sessions. If you just want to talk out a, a problem or a series of experiences you've had and sort of see what the deeper meaning to them might be. Um, so there's lots of different stuff we can connect with on that level. Uh, and then, um, I do have books as well there. And so I've written a handful of books. Some of them are channeled, inspirational books. Some of them are Oracle books. You can ask a question and get an answer and some are fiction. Uh, so there's just a lot, a lot there on rogueways.org. It's a lot to look over a lot to take in a lot to enjoy and, and just to narrow down a little bit, because I do have people that ask me for help with these sort of things, you know, in your sessions, when you're providing help or a space for people to talk about what they experience, this is kind of open to, the entire breadth of paranormal experiences. Yeah, like you have experience with a lot of different, I, I guess, like subcategories of experiences, right? Absolutely. I have a personal experience with most of them, uh, fortunately or unfortunately. And uh, so anything from dark entities, alien experiences, UFO experiences, ghosts, mediumship, all sorts of, um, it just really... Uh, my, my experience runs the gamut. And so, uh, it's really helpful for some people who especially feel like they have sort of a cluster of things going on and they're not sure what mm. it all is and what it all means. It's, it can be really helpful to sort of talk through some of that. And, um, it also sometimes can be like a, a teaching session, you know, like, well, I, I have this and this, but I just don't know where to go next. And so then I can help guide you through your own spiritual path in that way too. So I am a, also a teacher, uh, and I have courses on various aspects of, of things you can do too, including, um, meditation and, uh, you know, tarot, uh, and other things that I do, I, I also teach. So any, anything really that people are, are looking for support with, with their spiritual or paranormal side of life, I'm, I'm here for. Well, get ready. You're going to be getting some emails from you from my listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. I love it. Well, awesome. Well, thanks again for joining the program, Lindsay, and I can't wait to talk with you again. Oh, thanks so much, Jim. It's been a blast. And thank you for listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk KKNW 1150 AM Seattle. You can hear the show anytime on its podcast feed, wherever you listen to them. Just go to the Euphemet feed and you can go to euphemet.com for more and make sure to join us next Sunday. And until then, keep looking up.
follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.